We're going to go ahead and ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, Philippians, the first chapter. And uh, we're going to look at some scriptures there that will help us. And the setting for this particular book is the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. You know, Paul was a gospel preacher. And not everyone liked what Paul had to say. And so they threw him in a cold, dark, dingy prison in Rome. And so he's writing this particular letter to the churches of Macedonia, specifically in the region of Philippi, and he's in prison, and he's asking them to pray for him. It is scriptural to ask for prayer when you need prayer. And I want us to begin at verses 19 through 21 of Philippians chapter 1, and uh, we'll see this in just a moment. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. Well, let me get my sword. Okay. He said, For I know that this shall turn out for me to salvation through your supplication and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now know this, that he is asking them for prayer. And he said, I am looking for a deliverance. I am looking to be free from the bondages of these chains. And he says, I know that the supply that you offer that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit will bring about this glorious deliverance. But I want you to notice something that he also said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. Praise the Lord. Let me read it from the King James because I like that. He says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And he says, it is according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Notice with me the terms according to my earnest expectation. Do you know that what happens in your life is in direct proportion, mostly, at what you expect? The question is, is what are you expecting in life? Paul says, I know that you're going to pray. And I know that the Holy Ghost is going to show up. And when the Holy Ghost shows up, I'm going to be set free. Because I am earnestly expecting something good to happen. Now, Paul's expectation was on two levels. The first level of his expectation was temporary. He wanted to be set free from prison. But the next level of his expectation was eternal. What does that mean? 
He said, I know that I'm going to get out of here. But ultimately, I know that Jesus Christ is going to be glorified in my life and in my death. Now, our expectation that we have also can be on two levels. We should all have a temporary expectation to be healed, to find a better job, to have a better marriage. See, God wants you to expect great things because He's a great God. And He can turn your life around. If you are not satisfied where your life is at, look to Him and He will begin to work things out in your life. So we need to expect things in this life to turn for His glory. But did you know that if the only expectation that we have is only in this life, we can become selfish. We can become inward and even become carnal Christians who are only looking out for me, myself, and I. But there is a greater cause for you and I to be breathing. And it is for the cause of Jesus Christ. It is for the cause of seeking first His kingdom and putting His things first and letting God be magnified in our life. And then when we die, we've left a legacy behind. We've left an influence of the Spirit behind. And I'm telling you, we've got a great God and He is a supplier. He will furnish for us Whatever is necessary, the same that he furnished for the Apostle Paul. David, that great psalmist, the king of Israel, who was known as a man after God's own heart, said something in Psalm 27, verse 14. So please turn there, and I want to work with this a little while. Remember this, that you will get in life what you expect. In Psalm 27, and we look at verse 14, and I'm going to read it out of two translations. First of all, the King James Version. In verse 13, actually, he said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I expected to see something happen. David said, I would have grown faint hearted. I would have given up. But you know what? I didn't. Because I had an earnest expectation to see the goodness of God show up in the land of my life. And in verse 14, in the Amplified, it says... Wait, hope, and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage, and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. As I was looking at that this week, and I begin to think about the context of what David was saying. He says, you know, I would have fainted lest I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And then he goes on and says, wait on the Lord. 
And the Lord just impressed me with this thought. If my people will spend more time waiting upon me, they will see the goodness of God show up in their life. And if the people of God, you and me, will spend time waiting on him, we will have an expectation of him. Why is that? Because in his presence, you'll start seeing some things you've never seen before. You'll start knowing some things you've never known before. So heart of the bay, don't faint. But wait on him. Believe to see him show up in everything you do and everywhere you go. Oh, glory to God. According to my earnest expectations. Turn with me to Lamentations, the third chapter. And let's look at verse 25. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 and I'm going to I'm going to look at that in the amplified bible Lamentations 3:25 let's read it together are you ready The Lord is good to those who wait hopefully and expectantly for him to those who seek him inquire of and for him require by the right of necessity and on the authority of God's word. We got any waiters in the house this morning? How about any expectors in the place today? Are you expecting good things for 2011? Are you expecting good things for your marriage? Are you expecting good things for your children? Oh, thank you, Lord. We actually get pretty much of what we expect in our lives. If you expect your children to fail, guess what? They will fail. If you expect your children to flourish, they will begin to flourish. Years ago, they had uh, mixed up the locker numbers with some kids in a, I think it was sixth or seventh grade, IQ scores. And the IQ scores were actually lower than the lockers were. And they begin to tell them, because they had mixed it up, that their IQ score was the lockers. Some was 120, some was 130, one was even 145, which would be, make them a genius. And they discovered that even though these kids later on, they found out even though they had lower IQ scores, they began to excel. Why? Because they thought and they believed that they were smarter than they actually were. Dear friend, you're smarter than you think you are. You got the smart one living on the inside of you. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the wisdom of God on the inside of you. Don't let anybody tell you you're stupid. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. God says you can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens you. Expect good things. Expect God's favor to show up in everything you do. And in everywhere you go. Have this attitude of yourself. I'm a child of the king. And as a child of the king, I reign in life. I serve King Jesus, and he has made me a king 
that he is the king of. And I'm not walking about this life, through this life, expecting bad things. I'm expecting good things. I'm expecting favor every day of my life. Amen. Pour this into your soul. Pour this into your children. Pour this principle into your grandchildren. Teach them that they are winners. Teach them that they can do anything that God has called them to do. And when you see that, they'll rise to the level of that expectation. I was kind of a troubled kid. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I don't know, I just couldn't buy into being an altar boy. Even though Danny, my oldest brother, and Tim... My next to oldest brother, we're both altar boys. And my sister, now for heaven's sake, you talk about Saint, Saint Lucy. <laughs> and I got into some trouble. And uh, I hung around with the wrong kind of people and hung around with, you know, well, we won't go there. <laughs> and anyway... They found out about it at school, and, and I was penalized, and, and I was kept back after class to do certain chores and to write my name on the board about a thousand times. Of course, none of you have ever been there. But I can remember that there was this one teacher who gave me a responsibility. And it was a big responsibility. It was something that only the goody-two-shoe kids got to do. And that responsibility required me to be there at, you know, a good hour before class started. And I was so blessed and so enthused about this responsibility because only the good kids got to do it. See, I was marked as a bad kid. But this teacher saw something in me. And she believed in me and she gave me responsibility and I took that responsibility and not only did I feel better about myself, but my grades start going up. You see, everyone is looking for someone that believes in them. Everyone is looking for some encouragement. Everyone is looking for something that they can get up in the morning and say, you know what? This is a great day. And it was a great day when someone believed in me. Because I went for years and years not believing in myself. And some of you are here today. And one time in your life you believed in yourself. But somewhere along the path you've stopped believing. Because of life's circumstances and because of some circumstances and situations that have come and, and they beat upon your home and your life. Some of you have given up and sort of resigned and said, you know what? I'm just going to log time till the rapture of the church. God doesn't want you to log time. God wants to rejuvenate he wants you to be stirred up and refired again.
and arise and face life with a sense of expectancy and with a sense of believing. Saints, your life is not over with. In some ways, your life is just beginning. This is the greatest day to be alive. This is the greatest hour for the body of Christ. There are more opportunities awaiting you outside of these doors than you realize. Open up your eyes and look and see what God will do in your life. But give him something to work with. Give him some faith. Give him some expectancy. And say, Lord, do it in my life. Turn me to 2 Kings chapter 7. There was a time where there was famine in the land. There was nothing to eat. And they were absolutely destitute. And they didn't know what they were going to do. You know, God comes on the scene in those situations. And as we look at 2 Kings chapter 7, I want us to track this through beginning in verse 1. Then Elisha, the prophet of God, he said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will sell for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. But then the captain on whose, the hand the king, the, uh, on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, if the Lord should make windows in heaven... Could this things be? But Elisha said, you'll still see it with your eyes, but you'll not eat of it. And it's incredible that God began to use four lepers to bring this about. In verse 3, it says, now four men who were lepers, they were at the uh, entrance of the city's gate. And they said to one another, if we say we will enter the city... Then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. So now come, let us go over to the army of the Syrians. If they spare us alive, we'll live. And if they kill us, we shall die. Verse 5. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord, everyone say, for the Lord. See, the Lord's working. And the Lord's working in your life. For the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Now, lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight. And notice what they left. They left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. And carried thence silver 
and gold and clothing, and they went and hid it. And they came again, and they entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. And then they said to one another, We're not doing well. This day is a day of good things. And we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. And so they came and called unto the porter of the city. And they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses and asses tied, and all the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. They're about to have a party. And when the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now show you. What the Syrians have done to us, they know that we be hungry. Therefore, they are gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field and saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, well, let's take some, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are all as the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitudes of the Israels that are consumed. Let us send and see. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, say, Go see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out. Every one say they went out. And spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trod upon him in the gate. And he died as the man of God had said, which spoke when the king came down to him. Say it with me. It came to pass. It came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold... If the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with your eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Let me ask you something. What did this guy expect? What did he get? He expected Nothing. And you know what he got? He got exactly nothing. But also he lost his life. 
Friend, stop saying, stop believing, stop expecting the worst. Well, I've been looking for a job for three months and I just can't find one. Shut that up. You will get in your life what you believe, what you expect, and what you say. Don't program your life down the road of negativity. Program your life according to this word. And this word will exalt you. This word will promote you. This word will make a way where there is no way. I had a dream last night. It was very vivid. And I, in this dream, was speaking to a multitude of people just all over the place. And the part of the dream that was for me individually, I won't tell you about. But the next part of the dream was so very vivid. And the Lord began to remind me of how the devil will tell people over and over and over again. There is no way. There is no way. And you fill in the blanks. Because that's what I heard. And that's what I saw in my dream. No way. No way. How many of you know the terminology? Yes way. Sometimes Brenda will come home and tell me something, and I'll say, no way. And she'll say, way? <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. Glory to God. So the enemy says, no way. And here's what came out. But I say, Way. Because Jesus <laughs> went all the way, not part of the way. He didn't just go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He just didn't walk about and do good for three and a half years. He went from Gethsemane to Calvary. He didn't go part of the way, bro. He went all of the way. All the way to the cross. And he went all the way. To Hades. Now you interpret that how you want to interpret that. You can call it the middle part of the earth. You can call it hell. But the fact remains that Jesus became sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He went all the way to Hades. So you wouldn't have to. <laughs> but it wasn't over there. Because he rose from the dead. And then he went all the way to heaven. He went all the way to heaven. And the Bible says, now keep this in mind. No way. No way. How many times have you heard that? I say to you, yes way. Because he said, I am the way. I am the truth 
and I am the life. He is the way to heaven. And in life, we get in some sticky situations, do we not? And you may have a victory here and a victory there. And uh, the enemy will come along and say, okay, you're saved. You're born again. You're on your way to heaven. You're not going to hell. But I tell you what, look at this situation over here. There's no way out of this one. There's no way out of this one. But I say, yes way. You know why? Because there's no temptation taking you and I, but such as is common to man. But my God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability. But friend, he will always, not sometimes, but always make a way of escape for you. He's the way out. He's the way out. So stop looking to people as your way out. Stop looking to your mate for the source of fulfillment. Stop looking to the government to meet your need. On a temporary basis, God may use the government. But realize and understand this, that he is the only way out. He knows the exit. And he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He's the only way. And then this morning as I was meditating on this, I didn't see all this in my dream, but I'm interpreting this now. And I remember that he said in his word that he was tempted. Was he not? What was Jesus tempted in? The Bible says he was tempted in all ways. Literally in all points. He was tempted in all ways, like as we are. Yet, he kept moving. And he put the temptation behind him. He was tempted in all ways. Now, we can say, thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph. Lift your right hand to the Lord and say, thanks be to God, who always, in all situations, you cause me to triumph. Hallelujah. Now let's consider today, just for a few moments, let's consider some very important reasons why you and I should lift up our sights. Why we should have great expectations for the future. Look at me at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We should lift up our expectations and believe to see God move in our lives because we've been given exceeding great and precious promises. And he says that by these promises, you will partake of the divine nature 
That is a powerful statement right there. God's promises are His pipeline that allows His nature to flow into us. Did you know today that whatever your need is, God's nature holds the answer? And His nature is health. His nature is joy. His nature is abundance. And I want you to notice that these promises are called exceedingly great. And they're precious. You know, there's a short list in the Bible what God deems precious. In 1 Peter 1, the Bible says that we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you and I are redeemed with what? We're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, as far as language goes, God puts the promises in the same category as he put Jesus' blood. And you and I should expect great things because he's given us great promises. Stand on the promises. Get the promises in you. The psalmist said, I wait for the Lord and I expectantly wait. And I wait in his word and I have great hope. This word is full of hope. This word is full of power. This word is precious. It's not just to sit on our coffee table at home. This word was never intended to be an ornament. This word was intended to get on the inside of men and women and be their bread and be their fuel and be their life and be their joy and be their strength for their life. We should raise our expectations because we have exceeding great and precious promises. Secondly, we should have high hopes and high expectations because we have a record of what he's done in the past. I mean, you can look from Genesis to Revelation and you can see what he's done in the past. You can see Moses at the Red Sea with the Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the chariots tromping after him. And the Red Sea splitting because God's a great God. You see, in Hebrews chapter 6, 12, it says this. That we're not to be lazy. But we are to be followers of those who through faith and patience, they inherit the promises. Boy, I tell you what, all you got to do is look in the word. and You can see people inheriting the promises. But you know, you can look around in this church and you can see people that have testimonies. You can see people that once were jobless now have jobs. You can see people being forgiven of 240 some thousand dollars worth of debt on their home. I can point to people in this church that have overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the word of their testimony, that once had cancer, but no longer have cancer. I can point to people that were once crack addicts, now they're Jesus addicts. 
I can point to people whose lives were on the verge of divorce. Now they're having days of heaven upon the earth in their marriage because they trusted in a great God who gives great, exceeding, precious promises. Brothers and sisters, hook up with people who have experienced the goodness of God. Don't be lazy. Open your eyes. Get in fellowship with people that who through faith and patience, they've inherited the promises. There was a lady who had a tremendous need in her life, a tremendous financial need. And she had a job and then she got another job that the Lord provided for her. And God was so gracious that he met her need super abundantly and she got to a place of debt freedom but i want you to notice she didn't wait for the ravens to bring <laughs> the money how many of you know that faith is an act it isn't faith just to sit around and do nothing saints faith without works is dead we've got to add some works to our expectations some corresponding actions to what we are believing for. Our sights should arise today because of what God did through his people in the Bible. Listen, I'm a testimony. God's done great things for me. Somebody says, you're a pastor. Big deal. You don't have to be a pastor for God to do great things for you. I found a scripture in the Bible that says that God's no respecter of persons. He loves you as much as he loves me. But I'm not the issue here. Jesus is the issue. He, in fact, loves you. Come on now. As much as he loves Jesus. He sees you through the eyes of his son. And friend, it's through faith and patience that you and I, we can inherit the promises. Are there promises yet to be inherited? You better believe there are. Have we arrived? No. In many ways, we've just scratched the surface. But saints, keep on scratching. Keep on digging. Keep on meditating. Keep on speaking the word of God. Keep your expectancy high. I want to have high hopes, just like the song said. I'd rather shoot for the moon, the stars, and the sun and just get a couple stars and shoot for nothing and get everything. Oh, hallelujah. And lastly, oh, glory to God. Lastly, expect great things now because God is great and he does great things. The Bible talks about his greatness. Are you ready? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, he is called the great and awesome God. In Genesis 15, he's our exceeding great reward. In Psalms 47, he's called the great God. In Hebrews 4, he is the great high priest. In Hebrews 13, he is the great shepherd of the everlasting covenant. In Psalms 145, he's got great mercy. In Nehemiah 1, he's got great power. In Psalms 18, he gives great deliverance. In Psalms 76, he has a great name. In Psalms 19, he has great rewards. 
In Psalms 145, he lays up his greatness and his goodness for those who trust him. In Psalm 92, he alone only does great wonders. In Psalm 19, he gives great peace. In Psalms 117, he shows great kindness toward you and me. In Psalms 138, he gives great glory. In Psalm in Jeremiah 27, he's great in power. In Jeremiah 32, he's great in counsel. In Psalm 139, the sum of his thoughts toward us are great. In Lamentations 3, he said, Great is thy faithfulness. Have you found out that to be true? Have you found out that God is faithful? Say it real strong with me. Great is your faithfulness. In Daniel 4, he performs great signs. In Joel 2, glory to God, he's, great ar- he's got great armies. How many of you know those armies are ready to come? In Matthew 4, he gives great light. In Zechariah 8, he has great zeal. You serve a great God. In the book of Jonah, he prepares great fish. In Joel 3, his coming day is called great. In Mark chapter 4, he gives a great calm to stormy seas. Don't expect the storms to get worse. Expect the Son of God to rise up in the hinder part of your ship and declare, peace be still. And where there was once a great storm, there can be a great calm in your life again. Say with me, great is my God. And greatly to be praised. You know what else he has? In Acts chapter 8, he gives great joy. Great joy. Great joy. Great joy. The joy of the Lord. It's our strength. You know what Satan's end time tactic is? His end time tactic is to wear you out. To wear out the saints of the Most High. But you know what? Our God is not faint. Our God is not weary. And those that wait upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. You serve a God of great strength who gives great strength and great joy. Hallelujah. You don't have to be worn out. You can be full of joy, unspeakable and full of the glory of God. Everyone say, the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. Great joy. Great joy. I can remember a time where Brenda and I were going through a very serious test, a very serious trial. And what we do in the mornings is we'd get up and we'd dance in the hallway. We didn't feel like dancing. We didn't feel like rejoicing. But you know what? You don't have to feel like rejoicing to rejoice. Paul said to the church at Philippi, he says, rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. No, he said, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. That means in good times. That means in dark times. That means in bad times. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he said, again, (laughs) I say unto you rejoice, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Again, I'm telling you, you need to rejoice. 
You need to rejoice. Because in that rejoicing, there's strength. In that rejoicing, there's power. And we noticed something. When we danced down that, and we don't have a big hallway, so we'd kind of bump into each other. No, we weren't doing the bump. We bumped into each other. But we noticed that that set the course for that day. Something would come upon us. Rather, better way to say it is someone. The spirit of might. Friend, the spirit of might will come upon you as you rejoice in the Lord when you don't feel like it. Oh, hallelujah. He's great in strength and he's great in joy. But the preacher's not done yet, so relax. In Acts chapter 4, he gives great grace. You know, it is true. That his grace is surely sufficient for you. His grace will see you through. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I love this one. He opens great and effective doors. He opens great and effective doors. We need to believe that. That's why we can raise our expectancy to another level. Why? Because he opens doors that no man can shut. Now say this with your eyes closed. Say this like you mean it. I believe that in 2011 that God is opening for me some great doors. Some effective doors. Doors of employment. Divine connections. Glorious things are coming my way because my God opens doors of great and effective things in my life. Do you believe it? Expect it. Expect a door to open to you. Expect a great and effective door to open for you. Thank you. I'm expecting. I'm expecting some good things to happen in your life. Oh, I'm expecting some good things to happen. Hallelujah. I can just but say by the word of the Lord, expect that loved one to come in. Expect that loved one to come back to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Expect that prodigal to come back. Get this terminology out of your vocabulary. Well, it was an unexpected blessing. No, if you're expecting God to bless you and to do things for you, what you cannot do for yourself, there's no such a thing as an unexpected blessing. Now, maybe you didn't know it was coming, but it came by the hand of the Lord. Listen, friend, your faith will attract good things to you. Your words are containers. They contain, they contain faith, they contain hope, or they contain despondency or discouragement. It's your choice. 
And the word of God says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. You have the power. Listen, friend, you have the power to choose what kind of day you're going to have. I'm talking about Monday morning. No, it's all good today. I mean, we're going to be eating thousands of calories. We got an excuse. It's Super Sunday, right? I mean, the Packers are going to wallop the Steelers. Oops. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold, 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 hold. Hold it now. I just got out of the spirit there. But you know what? It's all good. The sun is shining. Amen. Amen. Sun is shining. Hot dogs are on the grill. Footballs are floating. Having a good day. Woo! It's great. But you know what? Carry that into tomorrow. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about that attitude. That attitude of gratitude. That attitude of expectancy. You know, Paul said, he said it was according to my earnest expectation. That's a white, hot expectation. That is what some preachers say. His expectation was so great that his neck was outstretched. He was waiting for that prison door to open. Oh, yeah, he knew it was coming. He knew they were praying, and he knew the Holy Ghost was going to supply. It's kind of like when Grandma used to come to town. We'd look out the window at 4920 Bryant Avenue South in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Grandma would take the Greyhound bus down from Cumberland, Wisconsin. And we knew when Grandma came, she would have those nice little white dusted cookies with her. And she knew she'd, she knew, we knew she'd have those presents with her and, and she'd have all sorts of good grandmas coming to town. My brother'd push me out of the way and say, I want to see. We'd look out that window with outstretched neck. Grandma's coming. Well, a greater one than grandma is coming to your house. Hallelujah. I said, a greater one than grandma's coming to your house. Your healing is coming. Your prosperity is coming. Your joy is coming in the morning. God's turning things around for you. Somebody shout amen. Woo! Glory to God. I'm expecting. I'm not expecting to go down the drain. I'm expecting to be raised up to a higher level. How about you? Hallelujah. I'm not expecting to die young. I'm expecting to live long and live strong because the word of God says with long life, he will satisfy me. I'm not expecting to go to hell. I've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm expecting that when I breathe my last breath or when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to be escorted out of this earth by a heavenly host. Hallelujah. And they're looking, they're going to look at me and say, Mark, you want to go by the Milky Way? I'm going to say, sure enough, let's go. Hallelujah. Expect it. Expect to be saved. 
expect things to turn around for your life. Come on, brothers and sisters. Get your hopes back up there. The Bible says that now faith, it is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. David, when he was down and experiencing difficulties, he had to speak to his soul. He had to speak to his mind. There's been many a days where I've had to speak to my soul and speak to my body. Say, body, you're not staying in bed today. You're going to get up and preach the gospel anyway. You're not going to put the sheets over your head today. And there ain't going to be none of that in the Thomas household. But David, he had to speak to his soul. And if the king of Israel had to speak to his soul, you're going to have to speak to your soul. See, your soul is not the real you. Your spirit is. Your body is not the real you. Your spirit is. Your spirit is in control by the Holy Spirit under the authority of God's word. And if David said to his soul, hope thou in God, you need to speak to your soul. Okay, we're going to have some hope today. We're going to have some expectancy this morning. We're hoping in God. We're going to go to church and we're going to have signs, wonders, and miracles. People are going to be saved. Buildings going to be paid off. There's going to be dancing in the street, brother. Oh, but Pastor Mark, you don't know. You don't know the trouble I've seen. Well, I know some things about trouble. And I know enough about trouble not to camp there. Because if you camp in the land of trouble, trouble breeds trouble. But if you camp, hallelujah, in the camp of the uncompromisingly righteous, in the midst of trouble, you can have some joy. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have some trouble. But hey, he said, be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. Woo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. So what are you expecting this morning? What are you expecting? I tell you what, I'm expecting his wisdom to show up in my life. I'm expecting his compassion to flow through me. I'm expecting God to do some awesome things. You know why? Because I've got exceeding great and precious promises. And I can read and I can see what God has done in other people's lives. And he's done for them, he'll do for me. And then I can expect great things because I serve a great God. And so do you. Are you happy today that you came to church? Amen. Let's thank him for his word. Give him praise. Give him honor. Thank you, Lord.